And then, Lord, I pray now for help for the sermon. I need your help, Lord. And I want to thank you for your word. And you promise help. And so come, give me clarity, Lord. I pray that you'd give all of us receptive and open hearts to your word. You'd come and have your way with us, Lord. Speak to us exactly what we need to hear from the scriptures this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. Let's go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And if you need a Bible, we want to bring one to you so that you can study this passage with us. So raise your hand, we'll bring one right to you, instant service. And in the Bibles we're passing out, Philippians 2 is on page 980. Very powerful passage we're going to look at this morning. Because in this passage, Paul calls us to love and live in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To love our brothers and sisters in Christ and to live in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's just start by looking around you and, and see the people sitting around you. Okay, look, look. These, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ that Paul's talking about. And then think about those in your home group. Okay, those are the people that Paul's talking about. Those are your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul is going to call us in this passage to love and live in unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I want you to have these people in mind as you think about how important in God's word makes it out to be that we live in love and unity together. I thought of three passages just to set the stage for this passage. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, no matter what amazing ministries you do, even letting your body be burned for, for Christ's sake, if you don't have love, what does it profit you? Nothing, he says. Nothing. Then in John 17, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit can give us such unity with each other, such amazing unity between our, our hearts and souls and minds, such unity that when people see our unity, they will be struck that, that Jesus is real. John 17, 21, 23, the gospel's true. One other example, 1 John chapter 3, John tells us that one of the ways you can know that you've been born again, transferred out of death into the life of Christ, is because you love the brothers and sisters. So love and living in unity is of massive importance. So Mercy Hill Church, I want you to get this. This is way up there on the list of God's praise. Remember the new commandment that Jesus gives us is to do what? Love each other as he has loved us. So loving each other and letting that love flow out in unity with each other is of huge importance. And that's what Paul calls us to do in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So look at what he says. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
Now notice something in this passage. Verses 2 through 4 are full of commands. Did you catch that? That's where we're supposed to be. And there's no commands in verse 1. So let's ask, what's the point of verse 1 then? Here we've got all these commands in verse 2, verse 3, verse 4, but no commands in verse 1. Why? Read verse 1 again. Paul says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Now, that word if there, so if there is, in the Greek language, I read some commentators this week, they said that in the Greek language, the word if can often mean because. And most of the commentators say that's what Paul is saying here. So what Paul is saying is because there is encouragement in Christ and because there is comfort from love, And because there is participation in the Spirit, and because there's affection and sympathy, so because we have all of verse 1, that's why we're able to do verses 2 through 4. So that's why verse 1 is so important here. Verses 2 through 4 show we're supposed to live in loving unity with each other, and verse 1 shows how it's possible. So I thought of this picture. Verse 2 through 4, that's kind of like shows us which direction the car of your life is supposed to go towards love and unity with your brothers and sisters. And verse 1 shows you how to fill up the gas tank. Okay? In other words, if the the, the car of love and unity is not going to go anywhere unless you're filled up with the gas tank, unless unless your gas tank is filled up with what verse 1 is talking about. So verse 1 is of huge importance here. So what is the gasoline that powers the love and unity of verses 2 through 4. Again, this is huge because so so many of us, we read a chapter like this, we kind of, we don't really get what, or verses like this, we don't really get verse 1, but okay, verse 2, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. We ignore the, the gas tank, the, the, the filling up with the power of God in verse 1, and we just try to do verses 2 through 4. The, the car's not starting, or we're, we're pushing the car, we're running on empty. Got to start with verse 1. That's where Paul starts. So let's look at each of these phrases One by one in verse 1. This is the gasoline that powers love and unity. So first, Paul says, what powers our love is the encouragement we have in Christ. This is awesome. I mean, think of all that we have in Jesus Christ. You receive Jesus Christ by faith alone, not because you're good enough, but because of his death on the cross, paying for your sins, his perfect righteousness clothing you as all by faith alone, and you receive Jesus, the best, best prize of all. And think of all that you have in Jesus Christ. He is your Savior. He is your God. He's your friend. He's your comfort. He's your strength. He's your hope. He's your guide, your provider. He's secured salvation for you. Your eternity is set. Revelation 21, 1 through 3, like Cindy read, that's going to happen. It's secured for you through the cross. All this is yours in Jesus Christ. And when you start to think of all that you have in Christ, encouragement starts to fill your heart. Just like when you go to the gas pump, you start to get the car Fill up with gas. Encouragement will start to rise when you think of all that you have in Jesus Christ. That's the first phrase. Second, Paul says, our love will also be powered by the comfort we have from love. You know, whose love? 
I I think it's Christ's love. Again, because the first phrase talked about how we receive encouragement from Christ. Okay? And so I think the second phrase is also talking about what we receive from Christ, namely comfort from Christ's love. So when you stop and ponder Christ's love, and you open up the scriptures and read about Christ's love, meditate on Christ's love, comfort will come. Your heart will be filled with comfort. I mean, think about Jesus Christ's love. He is seated at the right hand of the Father right now with all authority in heaven and on earth. And he, by, by, because you're believing in him, you're trusting in him, he loves you. You have his undivided attention. He's totally, his heart is riveted upon you right now. And you and you and you, because he's God. He can do that for all of us. But he cares about you. He has compassion for you. He loves you. He knows exactly what you're facing this next week. He knows the difficulties you're dealing with. He knows the frustrations, the struggles, the pains, the problems. He knows. He cares. He's God. He's rejoicing over you to do you good with all his heart and soul. Jeremiah 32, 40 and 41, one of my favorite verses. When you stop and think about Jesus' love for you, that the God of the universe in Jesus Christ loves me. Comfort rises. Comfort. Are you feeling it? Comfort comes. Okay, so we got we got encouragement going here. We got comfort going here. Third phrase. Paul says our love is also powered by our participation in the Spirit. What does that mean? The main purpose of the Holy Spirit we read in John's Gospel, is to glorify Jesus Christ. And he does that as we we open up God's Word, as we behold who Jesus is, and we pray, enlighten the eyes of my heart, open my eyes to see who you are. The Holy Spirit will give us times where we see the truth and feel, love Jesus and his glory. And we can participate in that work of the Holy Spirit, that precious Jesus-glorifying work of the Holy Spirit. We can participate in that. That's what happens. That's the participation of the Holy Spirit. So we share in that, and our fellow brothers and sisters share in that, and so we're all going to come together in unity because we love the glory of Jesus Christ more than anything. So like a 70-year-old and a 7-year-old can come together in unity because we love the glory of Jesus, right? And people with somebody who works at Cisco with somebody who works with Cisco's competitor mm, come together because of Jesus. Okay, that's how it works. Fourth, Paul says our love is also powered by Affection and sympathy. Okay, who's affection and sympathy? Well, I think because the other three phrases all describe something we receive from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit, I think this is the same true here. It's something that we receive from from God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I think in this case, maybe it's God the Father, because these two words are linked with God the Father oftentimes in the New Testament, and in Paul's writings in particular. So I think this is talking about God's affection and sympathy, which when we behold it, pray over it, worship him for it, thank him for it through the cross, fills us and strengthens us and and satisfies us. That's what Paul's talking about here. Because we have such encouragement in knowing Christ, because we have such comfort in knowing his love for us, because we have such participation in the Spirit's work of glorifying Jesus Christ, 
because we have a God of such affection and sympathy, all that works together then. When we, when we see and feel and experience and receive that through the Word, by the Holy Spirit, when that's happening in our hearts, we love. And we're united to others who love in that way. It's a powerful, supernatural thing. So verse 1 shows the gasoline which fills up the gas tank of the car of love and unity. Okay, so the, the gas tanks, psh, we've just been filling it up. Okay, it's full. You get back in, start it up, and now where's that car going to go? That's the next question. What would it look like to live in love and unity? Read verses 1. Let's read the whole section, 1 through 4, to get the whole flow of thought again. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Okay, let's take each phrase uh, in verses 2 through 4, one at a time. Just ponder it and, and mull it over. So first, Paul calls us to be of the same mind with each other. Okay, that means that we overlook non-essential differences. We overlook non-essential differences and we focus instead on what we share together in Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, there are some essential differences. Deity of Christ... Okay, the Trinity, right? The truth of the Scriptures, salvation by faith alone, through gra- by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So the, there are some essential differences, and if someone differs with us on those essential truths, we love them, we care about them, we respect them, but we won't be able to be of, of one mind with them like we are with those who hold to the faith of Jesus Christ. Okay, so again, we love people, care for people who don't share those essential differences with us, but we can't be of one mind. So to be of one mind means we overlook non-essential differences, and we focus on what we share together in Jesus Christ. So here's an example. Let's say that you have studied and studied and studied, and you know, you know, because of your studies, that the rapture, Okay, when Jesus Christ comes back to take the church, you know that the rapture comes after the tribulation. Okay, I mean, you've studied this. Okay, you know it does. You studied this really hard, really long. Okay, but somebody in your home group, duh, they they think that it comes before the tribulation. How can they? So you take them out to coffee, right? And and you show them all the passages. Okay, just all all the passages. This one, this one, this one, this one but they still don't see the light. They don't get it. They understand. How can they be so blind? I mean, it's, it's like right there. Some of you are thinking, is it really? Well, the point, this is a non-essential difference. The scripture's a little ambiguous on this. Okay, this is not worth dividing over. That's the point. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Okay, so we here as a church... Jesus is coming back, clear as day, literally fully. Anyway, we can talk about the details of how the timeline works out. But again, godly people disagree on those details. But here you are, and you're thinking, how can they miss this? How can they not see this? There must be a spiritual problem there. There's, they've got spiritual blindness because they can't see this. And, and you start to feel this, this 
uh, rift come between you, this barrier come between you because they don't, I mean, you've studied this, you know. Okay, so now what would Paul call you to do? He would call you to be of the same mind with this person. Which means you overlook non-essential differences like when Jesus is going to return, when the rapture is going to return. You overlook non-essential differences like that. And see, if you let your views of the rapture create a division between you, that shows that you think the rapture and your views on the rapture, maybe you're being right about the rapture, is more important than Jesus Christ. Yes? Are you all just... Are you getting this? You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, what do you do? Got to get fueled up. Got to get fueled up. Got to go back to verse 1. That's where it starts. You set your heart on the encouragement that you have in Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus, salvation through your shed blood, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise you're going to keep me persevering in faith all the way to the end. Provide every need I have. Guide me every step of the way. Help me, comfort me, fill me, satisfy me. I have you, Jesus Christ, freely, by grace alone, through faith alone. And when you set your heart again on who Jesus Christ is, your love for Christ, the, the importance of Jesus Christ will rise and the importance of the exact time of the rapture will diminish and then you'll be able to to love that person who holds that view that you don't hold to for whatever reason. Do you see how that works? Okay. Same mind. Be the same mind with each other. Second phrase. Paul calls us to have the same love. You know, that might be a reference to our love for each other, but and some think it, it does mean that. But, but I think it's a reference to our love for Christ. And the reason I say that is because the previous phrase has to do with our mind for Christ that is being united in, in who Jesus Christ is. So it makes sense to think that Paul's talking here about the fact that we have the same love for Christ. And so I, that's how I'm going to take this. He's talking about us sharing together in love for Jesus Christ, love for him. And oh, that'll, that'll unite us together. Here's an example. I'm trying to think of examples of when we might need to do this. Let's say you're at home group this week. And somebody brought a tuna casserole. And somebody else brought Subway sandwich sandwiches. And somebody else brought maybe some KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. But, but you brought your favorite pizza. Mmm, you smell it while you're driving. Ooh, those anchovies, pepperonis, okay, you're, you're feeling it. I love home group and I love pizza. Can't get better than this. Okay, so you're there and somebody prays for the food and plates all get started to get passed around and pizza box gets passed around and it, and it comes back to you <laughs> and it's empty. No pizza for you. Oh, you can't believe it. Who took two pieces? You know, you're wondering. And you're bitter, and you're frustrated, and you're angry, because at that moment, you're not sharing with them in loving Jesus Christ supremely. See, you're loving, at that moment, pizza more than Jesus. Okay? Now, don't think, oh, that's so far-fetched. Be honest, okay? I battle every day loving other things more than Jesus Christ. And, and if it's not pizza, it's something else, right? 
Okay, so, so that's the problem. And so, but again, feel how that causes division and bitterness and lack of love and lack of, of unity. Okay, so what can you do? Go back to verse 1. Got to get fueled up. Okay, you, you, you pray silently. Lord, help me. And I'm, I'm serious about this, okay? Because what I, I mean, you think love of peach, that's stupid. Well, you've got yours that aren't easy to overcome, right? Some of you are thinking, pizza, got that one. I need prayer, okay? But it, it may not be yours, but you've got other ones. We've all got our own, okay? And so you pray, say, Lord, forgive me. What am I thinking? I, I was putting my heart, my hope in this pizza. Forgive me. Help me. Help me to see you, Jesus. So you're just praying this silently to yourself while, while people are eating and you're trying to get adjusted and you're taking the tuna casserole, you know, and, and, and you're setting your heart on Jesus Christ and who he is. And I promise you, he will help you. He will start to fill you. He will start to comfort you. And he can comfort you so much that uh, you'll enjoy the evening. You'll even enjoy the, the tuna casserole. Okay? That's what he does. So that's the second call that Paul gives to us is to have the same love. There's tremendous love and unity happening here because of what happens in verse 1. Third, Paul calls us to be in full accord and of one mind. Okay, that means being united together in one purpose. Okay, and the purpose we're, we're united together in is to glorify Jesus Christ in our lives, to, to strengthen our brothers and sisters in their trust in Christ, and to help lost people come to faith in Christ. We're united together with our brothers and sisters. Every believer, that's our purpose. There's, there's unity there. If we all are set on that one purpose, we're in sync. Unity. If we're not set on that, on that one purpose, there will be division. Okay, for example, let's say that your favorite television program uh, starts at 8.30 on home group night uh, and your DVR is broken, just to set the whole stage here, okay? And, uh, and, and but, you know, home group usually ends around 8.05, 8.10, you can get home in time, shouldn't be a problem. Okay, so you're there at home group and home group's coming to the end and, and all of a sudden somebody says, I should have shared this earlier, but I've just got a terrible burden, and they pour out their soul to the group. And the leader does the right thing. He says, oh, we, we want to pray for you. Home group, let's gather around. Let's, let's pray. Anybody have to go? No? Okay, let's, let's gather around and let's pray. And so you're laying hands and you're praying and, and it's powerful. But, but you're checking your watch and, oh, man, time's going by and the praying's going along. And, and you're thinking, I'm going to miss my show. And, and it's 8.30 and it's 8.40 and it's 8.45. And the person's being blessed and you're being bothered. And, and what's the problem there? Okay? The problem is that they are all united in purpose. Right? They're just blessing this brother, praying for this brother. They're united to build this brother up. Your purpose is to watch the TV show. Right? You all kind of look stunned this morning. Does, does, does anybody deal with stuff like this? Okay, okay. So that's the problem: is that you're, there's, 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 you have a different purpose, a different meaning for why you're there, and you're not in full accord and of one mind. Okay, and so what can you do? Go back to verse one. Go back to verse one. Listen, the the encouragement from Jesus Christ, the comfort from his love, the, the sympathy, the affection from God will fill your heart so much more than that television show. So much more 
in that television show. There's just no comparison, but we all get deluded from time to time. I do. You do. And we forget, right? We have spiritual amnesia. We forget. And we get our hearts set on something else. And then, oh, I'm going to... Oh, wait a minute. Okay. Father, help me. Change my heart. I'm coming to you through Jesus. Forgive me for making an idol out of this television show. I'm going to miss it. But what you have for me here is a feast compared to the little morsel from that TV show. This is a feast of you praying for this brother, praying for this sister, laying hands on them, and so on. So that's third. Fourth, Paul calls us to do nothing from rivalry or conceit. You think, oh, I, don't, I don't do that. Uh, I do, and you do. Because okay, that means trying to make ourselves superior to other people. Rivalry, conceit. Okay. Flip side is, instead, humbly count others more significant than yourselves. Let's say, for example, a bunch of you go out to lunch today, and, uh, and while you're eating, um, a brother across the table starts to share about, about how he proposed to his wife. Okay, really just the sweet setting. They went down, it was all surprises. They had a little picnic dinner set up over the bluff, the Pacific Grove maybe, over the ocean, you know, and he tells a story about how, he's really excited about how he proposed to you. And you're thinking, I got a better story. That's good, but mine totally tops that one. And as soon as he's done, <laughs> I'm going to share mine. They're all going to be like, whoa, feel it already. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Okay? Anybody do that? Okay? We all struggle with that. That would be rivalry and conceit. Okay? Because you're trying to make yourself superior to someone else. It's exactly what's going on there. That's what Paul would say. That's what I'm telling you not to do. All right? So what's the problem? The problem is you're not seeking your comfort and your encouragement in Christ, but in impressing those people. That's the problem. You, you've forgotten verse 1. Okay? And so again, what do you do? Brother's talking about you know, Pacific Grove and the sun setting, and, and you want to tell your story, but you say, Lord, help me, forgive me. This is, this is sin. This is wrong. Forgive me. What am I doing? But I'm, I'm, Help me to see it. Help me to, to behold you more clearly. And so you're listening, but you're praying in your own mind, and you're, you're thinking about who the Lord is, and the Lord will start to, start to change your heart. You'll feel this happen. You, you, the Holy Spirit will come and change your heart through the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Your heart will be changed. And you'll, you'll want to honor this brother. And, you, and he finishes his story, and you'll say, what a great proposal that must have been. And what an amazing marriage God's given you guys. The Lord has really blessed you. And you'd mean that from the heart. You, you want to bless them. You want to encourage them. You want to count them more important than yourself. That's what Paul's talking about. Okay, we got one more? Yes, fifth. Paul calls us to look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. <laughs> one more example. Let's say you've had just a brutal day at work. And you're, you're driving home, and man, you want nothing more than just to put your feet up and just, you know, put your feet up and kick back, rest, maybe do some channel surfing, something, who knows. Just, you just want to think, wait a minute. It's home group night. 
Oh, dang. Home group night. Oh, and you, you just don't want to go. I, I went last week. Okay, right? Ah, you know, I'll go next week. I pro- Anyway, so what's, what's going on here? Well, Paul would call you to look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what he'd want you to do. Say, I know that, but I don't want to. Okay, tonight I just want to stay home. Well, the problem is your gas tank's empty. Okay, you need to fill it up with verse 1. Okay, so as you're driving, you say, Father, help me. I don't want to go to home group tonight. I should, but I don't. Change my heart. Show me your affection and sympathy in Christ. Help me to participate now with the beautiful Christ-glorifying work of the Holy Spirit. Father, pour your Spirit out upon me. Change my heart. I'm not even seeing Jesus' glory now. I'm not seeing it at all. I'm just seeing couch, home. Help me see the glory of Christ. And I promise you, he will meet you. He will strengthen you. He will change your heart. And you will start. To, your heart will start to fill with the Lord. And you'll think, oh man, I wonder how Bill's job interview went. We've been praying for him last week. I'd like to, I wonder how it went. And, and then I wonder how George's lunch with his boss went, where he was sharing the, the gospel with him. And, and we prayed for little seven-year-old Sally about her, some nightmares and that she could sleep better. And, and you'll start to care more about their needs and wanting to pursue their needs. The Lord will strengthen you. The Lord will comfort you. The Lord will fill you. The Lord will enable you. It all flows from verse 1. Okay, so what what questions does this raise? Does this make sense? Am I in in sync with the passage? Joe? Uh, But everybody else's? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, but um, so I kind of get where it's like to work through that individually. Um, but let's say there's someone who there's someone else who is struggling with that. I mean, there's someone else who like you at home they're visibly upset that they didn't get pizza that they brought, uh, or that uh, you know even though there's people praying, they're kind of anxious about wanting to. It's a good question. Um, and then again, not saying that, that we personally have this all dialed in, but it, you know, there's sometimes you hang out with other people, you can see when things start getting antsy or anxious. Or yeah. So yeah. Let's talk about that. What? We've, we've many of us have experienced that. What's what have you found helpful? Either if you've been on the receiving end of that, or you've been on the giving end of that. How how could we help each other with this? Because we will all need to do this, and that's part of love and unity, also. I always like to throw out questions, and I'm not exactly sure how to answer it real quick, so I have more time to think. But <laughs> can you just pick someone? No, let's not do that. <laughs> Any thoughts? I mean, I'll take a stab at it. That, that may help you think of a better answer. Um, I mean, we want to. We want to. We, we pray first of all. Say, Lord, because people are so different. There's no like one formula, one size fits all. So, Lord, I love this brother who was really angry tonight about the pizza. And um, what should what should we do? What should I do? 
And the Lord will give you wisdom, James chapter 1, verse 5. He will give you wisdom as you pray. And so, that, I mean, you could, you could um, call him up the next week and say, hey, can we have coffee? I looked at something that's on my heart. And to sit down and just say, you know, um, and you never want to assume that he was angry because of the pizza. You don't, unless, right? So you just say, it seemed like you were uh, concerned, upset last week, and just, I was concerned about you. What's going on? What, what was that about? Um, so you never want to assume and we also want to come in humbly and acknowledge, you know, we have our own struggles and we have our own sins, so that might be helpful to say. Um, and then we just, we lovingly and we uh, humbly and gently, uh, if he did say, well, frankly, it was just the pizza, man, and George took two pieces, and I didn't get, I know I was hoping, it's, well, okay, you know, maybe we need to talk to George, maybe, I don't know what you think about that, but, but uh, you know, how, how can your heart be changed and, 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 and open up this passage and share it with him. And that's that, that's what I would do. Pray, love. We come alongside people. We're not over people. We're all, you know, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I've got sins and blind spots. You need to point those out to me. We've all, we, we need to come together and work with each other about that. So that's my thoughts. Other thoughts? Does that jog some more thoughts? John. Thanks, Michael. Yes. 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 Yeah. In the case of the, you know, food, if you have other people coming, maybe everybody's not there, and you have a limited amount of food, just remind the group before you start. So you just you do simple things that just kind of set the boundaries for people. Okay. All right. Thanks, John. Aaron. I don't know if this is something that would only work with young adults, but let me. Make um, <laughs> From the young adults leader. Okay. Tell us. If, if it's a pizza thing, you might be able to make a joke about it, and then the person might be like, "Oh, this isn't a big deal." So being like, "Oh no, you didn't get any pizza!" Like, I'm so sorry, and maybe even like giving it or offering your slice to them. So that they can kind of realize, like, oh, this is not a big deal. You know, like, this is a slice of pizza. So um, sometimes sympathy, I think, can take the edge off of someone's concern. Mm-hmm. Okay, and other, other ways we could help the person. Scott, go ahead.
understanding the love that God has for us and how we're all lost sheep. We're all wandering away. And yes. We're all so many. The love that he has, when we, when we talk about and reflect about how much love he has for us and what he's done for us and how we have, and continually, treat him without respect. Or yes. Or wander away or put other idols or anything. I'm just reminded of Yes. And we're all, and so when we, it's, it's just again reflecting on His love, even when we, Christ loved us, even when we're still sinners. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that level of love, when we're completely depraved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is in a place where we can love other people. Yes. And, and, and it doesn't matter whether they ate the extra. Yes. Yes. That's how that that filling up the gas tank happens when we just see how much that. Yes. Absolutely. It all goes back to verse one. So so important. Well said. So there's some thoughts. Anybody else on that one, Jerry? Chris? Yes. Lose track of what's going on, and, and that can lead to neglect of other people's needs. Mm-hmm. So we end up not doing what this verse is telling us to do. Yes. After the needs of others. Yes. And um, so I, I think, in addition to what John and uh, and Aaron had said about trying to accommodate for those people who are offended, you know, there's also the other thing is when we approach people, uh, we ourselves are pretty much in the same boat. So if we're humble and we confess to others where our heart is, yes. that can help soften us. Yes, so important. Thank you. Okay, other questions? Mike, well, and then to Tim. I was going to say, um, you know, because the first verse talks about if you're, basically, if your gas tank's filled, then do this and this and this. So it, it, at least that's my my understanding. So, I mean, if, if you're having... You know, if you're really upset about that last piece of pizza, you know, pray for God to fill your gas tank. Yes. Or, or if it's your brother, pray for your brother. Yes, uh, yes. Yep, that's right. Okay, good. Tim. Michael, thanks. A lot of these examples were dealing with one-off individuals. Mm-hmm. And maybe they were just having a bad day or maybe really was hungry. Pizza, okay. If we think of a corporate example, um, maybe the Acts 29 church and the recent problems that hit uh, the leadership there, how can you frame some of these points to that kind of corporate leadership of a a big church? Yeah, I think it would be the same. I mean, um, as far as those examples and what that would look like. Yeah. Well, let's see. So, I mean, I I think. I think it would be the same as what I've just described, unless you're sensing some ways that it might be different. In other words, I mean, if you're if you're leading a, a, a network of churches, 
right? I mean, the exact same principles to pursue. Um, but, I, I mean, it, it takes it away, like, this example of a, a major church organization. Yes. I mean, you have leadership people talking about, thinking about the best interests of the group. Yes. It, 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 it takes it to a different level than a, a one-on-one personal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But to a, a corporate level, how, how does it relate? I think it's the same. So the, the situation you're asking about, I think we shared about this a little while ago about um, Acts 29. We're part of a network of, of churches, church funding network. And um, one of the churches, one of the leaders, the, 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 the leadership decided that they needed to be. Um, no longer allowed to be part of the movement because of some sin that wasn't being dealt with. And so, um, again, this was done with lots of humble conversations leading up to that. And um, I think it was done out of love and communication and care. And, and after that that uh, severance happened, the love is continuing and the prayer is continuing and we're praying for restoration there. So I'm not, maybe I'm not hearing your question. No, that, that's, that's fine. I'm, I guess I'm trying to elevate it beyond just a one-on-one personal yeah. passage. And how do I deal with this person who is cranky because they didn't get pizza? To, um, yeah. Something that may have a more far-reaching impact. Well, yes. I mentioned, like, be thankful that you get to eat a pizza on Friday night. Yeah. yeah. I mean, something that might be uh, more critical to, um, to individuals and to the church body. Yes. I think it's, it's both. I, I wouldn't say it's not one-on-one. It certainly is very tangible with husbands, wives, kids, but it's, it's corporate also. The reason I wanted to start with individual one-on-one illustrations is because those are so easy to, to, to latch on to and understand. We all deal with them all the time. But there's, there's broader issues that this means, like if, if somebody in another home group you know, has just become unemployed and that home group can't handle the, the support, of what, what can the other home groups do, what can the church do? So there's, there's much broader questions, but the same principles apply. So, great, great question. Yes, Pete. We had lots of practical examples that came out of the one-on-one that help that you could, you seem pretty adept at giving good examples and stories that we all enjoy to bring something up. Could you just think of what an example of a church body implementing some of these principles would look like in practical terms that we can relate to? Like if, if a church body or an organization observed some behavior that a, a sub-element of, 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 a, of a church body was, was struggling with, what would it look like for a church body to implement some of these principles in a practical example? Maybe that would help us yeah. all kind of get a better sense of an answer to this question. It's a great question. Um, we have time to or not, but I think that's Yeah, it's a good question. Debbie, do you have an answer to that question? Can you bring a mic up to her? Thanks, Kathy. Mm-hmm. And keep it um, keep it before the Lord 
Yes. Absolutely. Yes, that's huge. Yeah, gossip is so uh, tempting, and um, we need to battle it. And if we if we follow verses two through four, we won't gossip, right? We won't do that because um, we'll be disobeying most all those commands if we if we gossip. Somebody else had a hand over here. Yeah, David. Yes. I think the corporate body is made up of individuals. Mm-hmm. And so if we're each doing this, uh, where we're filling our gas tank with verse 1, then as a, as a body, then we'll be doing that as well. Well said, and well said. Both corporate, because you know it's made up of multiple people, but it's, it happens at the individual level. Yes, it starts with the individual, and then that's right. So as we then together are doing that, then it will flow out to cover a more of a corporate, broader body. One more. Yes, Kathy. Hi, I'm sorry to turn this in because the Holy Spirit um, was speaking to my heart on Tuesday morning and I was driving and this question came into my, my mind. Is there any limit to the love that the Father has for the Son? Oh, it's a good question. Any limit to the love the Father has for this one? For the Son. For the Son. For the son. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay, let's wrap up on that note. So let's all stand. I want to pray this over me and over all of us. Let's pray together. Just like Kathy shared, Lord, we we need to come before you and ask, Lord, would you fill us afresh with love for Christ and seeing all that we have in Christ. Oh, Lord, if we could see all that we have through your Holy Son, we would all love and put each other first and not have any rivalry or dissension. We would be in amazing unity with each other. We want to be obedient to your word. We want to glorify your Holy Son here at Mercy Hill Church and our home groups and and in our communities. Lord, do that in a powerful way this afternoon at the uh, taco bar, at the Ferris' house and other ways that we're going to be connecting with lost people, but Lord, we, we, we have to come and start with our own hearts getting filled up with verse, the truths of verse 1. So I pray that each of us this week, even this afternoon, would meet you 
in fresh, heart-changing ways. You would show us your glory, that you'd fill us afresh with your spirit, that you would pour your love into our hearts, we pray. And then let us love each other. Let us grow as a body to love, to lay our lives down for each other, to care for each other, to be in unity together, to overlook um, non-essential differences and to be united together in all that we have in Christ. God, teach us as a church people, church body, how to do that so that you'd be glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.